Hi, this is Tony Silva. Charles Wiz. And this is Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together each month, talk about uh, teaching English in Japan, uh, how much fun it is, <laughs> how much trouble it is,、um, what's easy, what's hard, and all other kinds of problems that、um, a lot of you, I'm sure, are dealing with on your own.、Um, this is、uh, number 148, and、uh, we're going to be talking about. How、uh, COVID in the, the last two years has、um, impacted everything that we're doing. I mean, whether it's inside, in the classroom, outside the classroom, class preparation,、um, our students, ourselves, our psychologies, theirs, everything else, and how everything is so very, very different from it was、uh, before, the before times, you know, two years ago. And、uh, yeah, so、um, we're, I, I think almost everybody is back in the classroom.、Um, but it's not normal, is it? <laughs> it's not the same.、Um, in 2020, I think most of us were pretty much online. Some people、um, were in the classroom a bit.、Uh, in 2021, it was a little bit more of a mix. And as 2022 begins, most folks are back in the classroom. And、um, just, you know, it, obviously that's thrown you off. Um, you, you,、um, things have been very different for you.、Um, your students also, whether they were already university students when,、uh, when the pandemic hit, or whether they were still in high school, and, you know, mo- mo- most people are teaching largely freshmen. And so for them, it was their high school experience.、Um, but still, their last two years have been the same kind of irregular experience、um, that all of us have, have faced. And so when、um, you walked into your classroom、uh, in, in April for the first time, it's a very, very different event than it was in April 2019, <laughs> when, you know, before all of this happened. Um, yeah, and you know, there, there's all kinds of shock <laughs> and adjustment that needs, to, that needs to take place and things. So, yeah.、Um, so, you with us, Charles? I'm here. <laughs> yes. You survived April? Surviving. <laughs> It's not quite finished with April yet, but even though the podcast will go up in the May 1st,、mm. yeah, I think surviving. Um, don't think excelling yet, but feel like I'm more in a adjustment,、um, course correction mode, so to speak, and more course correction in terms of like thinking about airplanes and the fact that I can't go on autopilot as a teacher anymore. You know, I used to be able to walk into a class and there's, I knew exactly what to do.、Mm-hmm. And you know, comfortable. And there was a part of my brain that could just teach the class. And that, then there was the other part of my brain that was free to really kind of the meta part that was free to really watch what was going on and to really focus on the students and see what was happening. And not there yet. Not at a point where I can, you know, I feel, I don't feel fluent anymore as a teacher.、Mm-hmm. I think is、mm-hmm. the best way to put、mm-hmm. it. I feel it's requiring a lot more conscious awareness, a lot more. Focus on delivery. I feel more like a, 
you know, in a way, uh, a not a beginning teacher, because in a beginning teacher, you're just so excited and thrilled you don't know yet how to watch yourself. <laughs> so I feel, we've, we've talked about that in the past. Yeah, right, right. And yeah, exactly. that, that very different mindset, <laughs> like that, that bliss of yeah. ignorance. <laughs> right. You think you're doing so, it. You're, you're hitting home runs. <laughs> What do you mean I, I never got on base? <laughs> Strike but three. Again? It was it was a home run. <laughs> Look, the, the fans are cheering. Um but it's more of that feeling I think of you get when you're about in your fourth year or your fifth year and you start developing you know, you've done it enough times and there's again that word I want to use, I, which is fluency. I would say that's a, a good that's a good word to use. Yeah. Which word? Fluency. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant strike out. <laughs> but it's there's more conscious there's more, you know, resources that are being applied to actually delivering the the content and the explanations. And there's this really weird thing of sitting in a room full of thirty people with masks on. That's just weird. Mm-hmm. That's just really, really weird. So um, I think surviving would be the right term. And I'm not sure whether or not what I'm doing is really working or not, uh, even though you know there is feedback, but it's hard to tell. Because the usual measures, the usual metrics I would use to see whether, you know, okay, third class, is it proceeding the way I want it to, those don't seem to be so visible to me, so obvious or clear. So I think those are the things I'm struggling with right now, at least initially on a surface level. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's a really nice summary of like, you know, what you're, of what I what you're feeling, you know, so no, I mean it, it, it can sums it up really, really nicely, especially with like the the lack of feedback, right, and the, um, you know, the sudden suddenly missing metrics. <laughs> it's like you know, you know, yeah, it's just like kind of driving blind all of a sudden, right? Um, I want to say, I'm sorry, let, let me interrupt you for a second, Tony, because it's the feedback. I want to say driving blinder. Mm. <laughs> because there's the always the feedback problem in a Japanese classroom. Well, you didn't know how you didn't know <laughs> how much worse it could get. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's why I said driving blinder. Now you thought you had even, no feedback before. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. Exactly, exactly. The previous feedback situation minus two-thirds of people's faces being hidden, mm. right? And then, you know, the hard part of trying to identify people from, like, you know, <laughs> just their eyes and their hairstyle. Yeah, I think it's, it's almost worse than being, like, in a, in a Zoom session, right? Because a Zoom session, at least you can see their faces. I, 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 I agree with that. I think Zoom is actually better than, be, you know, in a communication class, in a class where you have people communicating with each other, I think... Even having the mediation of the computer and distance is a lot better than having people talking mass to each other. Yeah. That's my feeling. You know, I can't give you any hard data on that. But I, ah, here's something I have noticed, and I'm going to segue here. 
is have. I keep asking my students, I'm sorry, can you say that again? I can't hear you. I can't understand you. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a mask and they're not, they're speaking quietly and I can't see what, you know, there's. Yeah, even in an ideal field. situation, it, it's hard, to, it's hard to hear what's, what's being said often. And the masks don't make it any easier whatsoever because right. it muffles the sound and it also, it, it, it takes away the visual cues, right? You can't exactly. read the lips yeah. either. Yeah, yeah. So I might actually say that rather than not even surviving, that there's a, 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 a fair amount of struggling. That's sure. going on by the students and by on my part trying to adapt and you know teach in this new way. So, but yeah, I would definitely, I would still choose Zoom. I think I can do better in a Zoom session right now than I can in face to face classes. Yeah, for my for myself too. I, I again, I don't know. I, I don't know that the students would agree with me, but for when my, my, my year of teaching that I did uh, entirely uh, on Zoom, um, I didn't feel that that was a huge impediment to the to the actual teaching, the actual learning, and the classroom activities and things. I know that it, you know, the online experience stripped away everything that else that. Uh, the students valued and, and you know were looking forward to in their in their education, but in terms of the my classroom itself, um, I did not feel a heavy hit because again, but what we've talked about you and I is a little bit more, um, you know, tech savvy and, and able to adjust a little bit more quickly and utilize uh, you know the the tech aspects in in, in different ways, um, but. Um, I, you know, I found a lot of benefits from it, but aside from, in addition, like just like to the masks and things, any other observations that you had about, um, you know, student interaction, either which with each other or with yourself or classroom dynamics? It's like, um, I, you know, you did a real good job of capsulizing, you know, like how you felt, how, it was, you know, you're not like, a, like you felt like, like a new teacher again. You didn't have, you couldn't put it on autopilot, which is, which is good and bad, but uh, you didn't have that well, le level of comfort or that, that feeling of fluency. And it's like, you really were kind of having to, in a way, start from scratch. Um, Cause it's not, it wasn't the old classroom and it wasn't a zoom session. It's this new thing. <laughs> um, but um, how about, in the classroom, any observations? Anything interesting that kind of struck you? It's, uh, it's hard because I have to go back to the autopilot part mm -hmm. and the fluency part. Yeah, you don't, you don't have the overhead to, to, to make the observation. Uh, right. You're or, too focused on exactly what the hell you're trying to do. Exactly. And you can't see, exactly. you, can't, you don't have that overhead to go above, float above and like say, oh, this, this is – this is not working for reason A, B, or C, and say, okay, I got to shift to this. You don't have that luxury. Yeah, that's exactly it, Tony. That's exactly it. And it's like whether you're a musician or you're playing a sport or, you know, it's kind of, I guess, like um, walking on a ship that's rolling. Uh huh. Right? There, sea legs. There's so much right, sea legs, right? Getting your sea legs, you know, requires so much you know, cognitive resources to be applied to something you wouldn't even think twice in a normal situation. Right. So I think that's a big part of it is that I just, again, don't have the, uh, the space, the, the resources to focus on 
feedback, which is what I would be doing in a normal situation, let's say from 2018. You know, making an explanation or giving an explanation of the homework, I'd just be able to do that on autopilot. And the the biggest part of my brain would be you know, scanning the class. Right, exactly. While, you, while you're doing the explanation, you're you're gathering data from the class. Right. So I think that the lack, there might be the same amount of feedback for all I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't have the cognitive resources to be focusing on those because I'm looking for it too hard, I think. In other words... What's happening is that I'm trying to explain things or set the tone and I'm focusing on making sure that when I'm talking with a mask that I'm especially aware of my enunciation and making sure that I'm articulating and I'm gesturing more. I'm writing on the board more. I'm noticing. Uh, I'm putting things up on the projector and pointing to them. I'm using a lot more or not a lot more because that's so, so abstract, but I'm, I, okay. I noticed that I'm now reading word for word, the directions or whatever's on the webpage or whatever's mm. on the LMS more than just the general explanation and letting students who want to read it, read it. Cause you know, I always hate when people read what's on the board. Sure, sure, of course. Right, but I find that now I'm doing that more often because there seems to there seem to be indicators that a certain percentage of students are not understanding. Yeah. And the problem is that feedback's coming in late. So let me give an example. In um one set of classes, I described I said, "Okay, I want you to take a look at this form." We're going to be using it in the graded discussion next week. And so I want you to know how you're going to be graded, which is, you know, self-evaluation. You're going to self-evaluate yourself. And I want to explain it. Well, out of 110 students, 29 submitted the form, even though I said and explained that it was for next week. Mm. That's a 70%. That's about 70% got it, but 30%. It's a big fail rate. That's big. That's a too big of a fail rate. And when you get a fail rate like that, you have to think, okay, what did I not do? Right. In other words, going back to the design principle, which is if the user doesn't get it, there's something wrong with the design. So there's also the problem. And when we talk about the struggle and you want to go from the student side, I think the students are having a hard time understanding what's going on because – I'm masked. They're not able to, again, maybe hear me as clearly as I think. And they're also, you know, losing what? 60, 70% of the visual information that they would get. And I can't, you know, cite the studies, but I do know that I've read where, you know, even in verbal communication, 40, 50% is coming from visual 
clues. Oh, absolutely. And the yeah. example I always use when I was doing with the students is it's like telephones. The, it's like telephones. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, talking to somebody face to face and talking to somebody on the telephone. These are two very, very different <laughs> things. And, you know, you, and you, whenever you see the kids who have so like overseas experience, you know, their, their heads are going up and down, up, up and down. Um, so yeah, a- absolutely true. And, um, but we've talked, we, one of the things that we've talked about before, like specifically with, the, with this problem, is is like you know at the end of the class or before the end of the class you have somebody volunteer <laughs> or you volunteer somebody um to say okay so what are you supposed to do for next week <laughs> and, okay. and have someone explain it to the class but yeah good the, luck with that but the biggest change mm. uh the biggest um strategy or tactic or or thing that I'm doing is multiple multiple um, review or understanding breaks. Sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. We've talked about that too. And that's great. But now it's, I've, now now it's even more, more critical. It's every 10 minutes now. It's every 10 minutes, every, you know, 15 minutes for a 90 minute class. I'll say, okay, stop, go into your groups. What was the assignment or what were you supposed to do? What did I explain? You have to check with each other that they understand, you know, people in your group understand if somebody doesn't understand, explain it to them. Do not finish until everyone in the group understands. Is that something that you started doing when you were doing Zoom sessions or were you doing that before? I was doing it before, but it would probably be every half hour Uh uh um, as a means of just, you know, creating a break and just making sure that there's understanding. But the idea of Doubling that minimally or tripling the amount mm. is mm-hmm. something that I just started doing now. Not in the Zoom sessions because Zoom uh, students were able to send me direct messages if they didn't understand. You see, that's something I'm really missing. Yeah, but did, the and, and they did when you were doing the Zoom session. They did send you the DMs. They would send me DMs. Mm-hmm. Yes, not not everybody, of course. Of course, so not. You, of course, there are, there are some students who even are too shy or too embarrassed or unwilling to even send the teacher a direct message. Um, The curse of uh, not being wrong, right? Sure, sure, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. So that is requiring me to kind of change a bit uh, in the way I teach so that, you know, for every, let's say, 15 minutes, there's a three to five minute review and understanding check session. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I want to I'm just thinking that going back and comparing what I'm doing now to the Zoom session, right, and using breakout rooms, mm-hmm. the main advantage, this is a positive, so I just want to uh, say that there's a positive, is when I'm having groups working together, and I, I, I imagine that there's some going to be some criticism of me putting students into groups or moving them around to different mm-hmm. places. But, you know, I keep the windows open. I tell the students, open the windows. We open the doors. We have the fans going. I make sure that, you know, the, you know they're, they're sitting at least a meter away, but that doesn't work. You know, the, the social distancing is a total failure, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Rem- remind me to talk about how in one place, how it's really funny <laughs> about this, the, uh, the strategy. But I can at least see scanning the classroom, which groups are not talking with each other now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Which when you're in Zoom. You can't, yeah, you, 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 you only do one group at a time. Right, and I'm thinking that's something Zoom needs to do, which is to put up a, 
like a breakout room view so you can be observing all the breakout rooms at the same time. So that's an advantage. Again, I don't have to like go to a breakout room and, you know, the students are quiet or they're talking. I have no idea what's going on in any breakout room unless I visit. So being able to scan the entire classroom to see what's going on. But when the students are in groups, there's um, a lot more prodding necessary, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to make sure that they just don't stop at the, you know, at the minimum level of talking. I think they're not comfortable yet. Right, and 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 one of the things that I talked about at the very beginning, um, in, like just like in the intro, is that um, you know you're back in the classroom. The students are back in the classroom. This is for some of them like a very new experience, and so like talking together in physical groups. I mean, talking with people face to face in a foreign language. This is a new thing. I mean, they've done it online, but maybe. Um, or maybe not, but, um, for them, this is a new thing. So that kind of reticence and, um, shyness and things is not unexpected. (laughs) Well, there's certain things that haven't changed, especially when you get freshman classes. Right. And they're, they're shy and reticent to begin with, but the fact that like they've been socially isolated to one degree or another for the last two years can't help. Well, they've been wearing masks for the last two years, right? Well, but and, and, and before that, most, Japan mm, masks not, are not, not that big. But, okay, but I have a hundred percent mask wearing in the classroom. Well, good, uh, yeah, and I think right. most people. And uh, that's not a should. complaint. That's not a complaint. But but but, but 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 point is, but for for us, you know, we're we're kind of we don't. We don't cotton to the idea of the masks. It, you know, it, was, know. it was really hard initially. Uh, you know, I did, but before COVID, I never wore a mask. Oh, that's interesting because I would wear masks when I had a cold. Well, I almost never got and, colds, but yeah. Well, lucky you. Yeah, oh, sorry. I'm better than you. Thing. I, well, I know that I'm going to get cursed. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, and I know, of course, it's going to curse me, but um, I haven't had a cold in the last two years. Well, of course not. You've been home. Because students are not giving me colds. <laughs> students have home. not been giving me colds. You're not, not, you're not collecting and handing out papers. You're not getting on the trains. You're, yeah, of course not. But most of us have not had a cold or a flu, any, any other kind of disease in last year because we've been ultra careful about any kind of like germ transmission. Yeah, that's very true. But I think we have to compound with the fact that you know, when students come into my class, just like they come into your class, freshmen, and suddenly you're putting them into groups and you you give them a task and the task is to talk to each other and listen to each other. So that always is challenging for students and um, a lot of them enjoy it and a lot of them are still surprised by it. The I can't really tell because um, it's – here's something. By the third week usually of class or the second week of class or whatever – I can see little incremental increases in trust between the students and myself. And I'm not sure how the mask affects the building of trust between teachers and students. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I 
just don't know. I mean, there's just so many I don't knows. I don't know how they yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an interesting thing like with this this idea of trust and in things. I think one of the I you know I'm so damn lucky. I had, I had such great students and great great conversations with students. Um, and uh, we were talking one time about about communication and about facial expressions. And um, you know, student one of the students made a point. It's like, well, and valid um, that Japan in Japan society, um, they focus on because we were talking about masks, I think. We look at the person's eyes. And I think I think that he she she had a valid point um that westerners tend to look at the face as a whole and um in Japan people tend to focus more on the eyes and therefore well I don't know chicken and egg um the the masks again this is way pre covid um, the masks were less of an impediment to communication or point of discomfort or whatever it might be because they were still able to focus on the other person's eyes. Um, whereas we, I guess, and it's like, well, thought about it, scratching my head. Is that, no, I guess you're right. Um, tend to take the, the sum of the facial expressions um, into that. And so it's a pos- it's possible that w- we as Westerners feel um, a bit more of, of a disadvantage with the, with the mask in terms of reading a person's um, thing, communication or intent or heart uh, than a, a, a Japanese person might. I don't necessarily believe that. I know I'm saying it and I'm just throwing it out there as a thought, I, but I'm not sure that I buy it, but it's something to consider, question mark. Rising intonation in a proper way. <laughs> Not like in California? We, <laughs> actually, Valley it's a Girl? lot of people who For are – For sure? It's everyone does it now. <laughs> I everyone know. Everyone does it. A- it used to be the Valley Girl talk, remember? For sure. For sure. <laughs> remember how it used to be that only <laughs> – Everybody does that now, the rising intonation. But again, if everybody's doing it, it's not wrong. It's just what people do. But right. It's just a change. I, I, I want to go back to what you were saying because you were talking about the eyes versus the general face and, uh, you know, foreground and background and context and, con, you know, context, sure, high sure, context sure. versus low content, context uh, cultures. I keep thinking about how, and again, I could be wrong, but. It's this is what I've been told, and I've asked Japanese people about it. That the responsibility for listen for understanding is on the listener rather than on the speaker. Ah. And yeah, and because there's a lot of interpretation going. Yeah, we've on. talked about that before somehow, somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that affects things because yeah. you know if you're if you're trying to understand me, then or I'm trying to understand you, and the responsibility is on me. And there's a certain amount of feedback that or information that I'm not getting. I wonder how that affects communication. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so there is that part. So I, uh. I think the thing about the eyes and um, 
But the funny thing is, is that, you know, students will say hi to me and they'll go, hi, Mr. Wiz, how are you? And I'll have to say, who are you? Because, you know, they the, can the, easily see it's me based on right. my, my lack of hair and, you know, who I am. But for me, it's like, you know, there's a lot of students out there who I can only see their eyes and their hairstyle. And, uh, but the big difference, by the way, the funny thing I tell my students is when I see them after um, if I've had them before in a class and I get them the second year and I had them on Zoom last year is I say, wow, you're much bigger and you have depth because you're not a little Zoom uh, anymore. <laughs> you know, that's always an interesting thing. I, it's, there's so many things I, I don't know. And I, again, I don't know what they're going through. What I do know, though, is that half the students would prefer to be online. And uh, that's so. split. Yes, half of my students, I've asked them, would you prefer face-to-face or online? And a lot of them just want online because, as they say, you know, it's easier for them. They don't have to get up. They don't have, you know, it's easier. Same as for us. (laughs) Same as for us. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what I point out to them. I go, there's a similarity there. The advantages and disadvantages are similar. The They're equally split. That 50%, then 25% of the entire class wants on-demand, and 25% likes real-time Zoom session. And I have to come up with some kind of questionnaire to find out whether or not the 25% of students who want the on-demand class is because they can slow things down, they can repeat things, which is what most people say. They like the freedom to schedule the class for whenever they want to watch the class. So... It's beginning to make me think that we're looking at different learner personalities, and I don't mean, you know, <laughs> learning you know, styles. We 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 not we learning down, styles. We went down that looking, path once. Or, yeah, we've or done twice, that. Yeah. And I think every there's a great YouTube about learning styles, by the way. Um, by uh, I don't like Veritas, the Veritas. <laughs> I disagree. Right? I, I disagree. <laughs> but I'm wondering whether or not if we were to query our students on, let's say, their attitudes towards, uh, you know, scheduling their time, being able to stay on task, having a, you know, a good ability to manage themselves, time management skills, whether or not there's a relationship there. And that students who can manage their time really well would probably or possibly, do they prefer on demand classes is there a relationship there i don't know yeah the, 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 but, that that question kind of brings out my cynical side and do you really tony yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but well, i have one i have a cynical side you guys I might never not noticed. know that i, I, I never know <laughs> you might not have noticed but um yeah um and and and, and part of its projection part of its my, myself right and for me, it's like two things. One, when I was a student, I just wanted to do as little as possible and get the highest grade and go, don't be specific, like, have fun. Uh, <laughs> it was the early 70s. Um, so I wanted to just get done with my schoolwork, get 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 an A and go have fun with as little effort as possible. Um, and, and, and the second part of this too, and, and again, um, and people will disagree to – uh, high heaven on this is that I'm, you know, very, I'm very much an introvert. And yeah, the idea of like, if I had a choice, it's like just doing like a lesson plan on my, finishing a lesson on my own rather than having to interact with strangers. 
So, oh my God. I, of course, I'd rather just do it on my own. Um, but I, and I think that there's, as, as you said, there's, there's a, another a different groups of students who, yeah, in terms of like efficiency and type management, it's like, no, I can, I want to learn and I learn better on my own. And, you know, I don't want to be impeded by and slow down by, and, and I've had students in classes, somebody's like, um, I don't want to be in a group. I don't want to, I, I hate these group sessions because the people in the class, they don't want to use English. They're doing this and, and their, their level is too low. And it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'll make, I'll take extra care to make sure which group you go. Okay, so I was like, you know, class of forty-five students. I got. All right, no, no, Mia goes with this group, and you go with these guys over here. Um, and yes, and, and all of those are different reasons why people might prefer um, that type of learning arrangement. But yeah, it's like. My initial reaction was, you know, again, my own <laughs> projection of my own <laughs> laziness, basically. Well, I understand what you mean when you say that you're an introvert, but most people would think you're an extrovert. Yeah, but it's overcompensating. It's exactly, I feel exactly about group work the same way you do. Yeah. I hated group work. Even though I give it to all my students. <laughs> well, but I would just rather have done things on my own. Yeah, but but I all but now I understand and, and see that like there's no there's really a benefit to it. It's it's, it's, it's like going to the dentist. <laughs> well it's you really different. have to it's, do it. It's it's I think the kind of group work we were doing in class, because we were both literature majors, mm. there's a value to having small discussions about the class or or the work you're reading. But for these students, because it's English, the group work is how they get a chance to, you know, have opportunities for output. Well, it's Otherwise, yeah, it's for 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 practice, for use, and if for you, practice and for, exactly. for foreign language acquisition, that's that's the that's, that's the meat, that's, that's the main course. That's it. Otherwise, what are you going to do? I'm going to ask every student in the classroom of 35 students. Please tell me about your weekend. And, you know, by the time I get to the 20th student, it's like the bell rings and we're yeah. done. So that is, but, it's Aiken exercises. Okay, right. Jesus. Yes, exactly. So there is that part. Um, you know, I don't know what the reasons are for the students. I, I think I'm going to ask them and try to find out why they feel yeah, that It would be fun, fun to find out. I would like you to yeah, do that and I report, think, please. Yeah, I think some of the students, you know, just, you know, they don't want to leave the house. It's easier. It's more fun. I think some of them are introverts. What I don't understand, uh, and this again is jumping away from the topic, is I don't understand when we now have these tools that students are familiar with, you know, Zoom and on-demand classes, why students are not given the opportunity to choose which platform, for lack of a better word, they prefer to take the course in, right? That, you know, teachers should also, the schools should query, the, you know, survey teachers and say, hey, how many of you want to do online teaching? How many of you prefer to do on-demand teaching? And then find out which students want online, on-demand, or face-to-face -face and tailor that to them. You know, we talk about diversity and we need to spend more time thinking about cognitive diversity and we talk about differentiated learning. Well, here's this, let's Great. do it. This opportunity is like dropping on your head and everyone's ignoring it. Exactly. So what's new about that? All right. Oh, mm. oh my cynical <laughs> side is, is coming out there. Yeah. But that's something that's really 
irritating to me. And I think the students might, you know, feel that. I know that there's a discussion where there's a course, I we have four teachers teaching a 15-week course or a 16-week course. You can go ahead and do the math on that. But there are 15 lessons. And I was suggesting that because I'm the only native speaker teaching the class and that my my sessions of that course, of it's a general ed omnibus kind of course, are in English, that my course should be on demand because the students who are listening to me speak English are not English majors. It's a required course for everyone in the faculty. And they should be able to watch the videos at their own pace with, you know, if they need translation services and people really are not that supportive about it. And then the compromise was, well, keep your videos, you know, give students links to the videos and they can watch the videos if they didn't understand your lecture. And then the point is, well, what's the point? If that's the case, that's requiring them to come to a class, and if they know they're going to be able to watch the video on demand, they're not going to pay attention. So, again, I am wondering whether or not people are thinking about the implications. I don't think there's enough discussion amongst faculty, and I don't think we've asked our students enough about what they want, what they need, how they'd like to approach it. Well, no one's ever really? no one's ever addressed these problems before. Oh. <laughs> not 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 enough discussion among faculty. Not enough consideration of the students. Jeez, no man, revolutionary ideas. We um we. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. <laughs> I'm just like biting my fist. I've got teeth marks. <laughs> Sorry, Charles. But no, no, you're no, you're absolutely right. And and your your idea about like you know student choice. Or teacher choice of online or offline, um, to, yeah, why, duh. Why not? Why not have different, you know, the same course content, the same thing, you know, as much as much as possible. Um, and but what I before that, which I think is a great idea, but uh, my thought was um, not necessarily in terms of discrete online offline, but um the lack of you know we've had two years of you know immersing ourselves in 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 this online instruction what i lament not seeing is more integration of the positive aspects and the benefits of the online instruction into if you want to call it normal or face-to-face or classroom instruction, um, because there's so many of those, um, so many aspects of that online instruction that really are are quite beneficial. And they're, you know, it's like, like for example, for student projects and, you know, you fill in the list yourself. All of you can figure out, you know, what the benefits might be. But, to integrate all of that into the quote unquote normal um, syllabus, um, well, wh- where is that? Why isn't that happening? Why hasn't, you know, and I'm looking for like how that, you know, these last two years, how we can't take 
some of the the things that we've learned about um, what needs to be um, personal and face to face, what can be done in a very different way, and may, and may be delivered in a, in a much more efficient way, and putting the, the, those two things together in terms of sharing, right? So, in, in like set of students, like what you know, student presentations, right, where students are serial presenting in front of the class. I know, I know, you you don't do that. Um, most of the time, I didn't do that. But instead, having the students produce something that's accessible online, have students access it online, do an evaluation, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's like, I mean, there's, there's, there's you know, dozens, hundreds of different ways you can think about doing this. But why isn't it happening? <laughs> Where is it? I don't see it. Why isn't it happening? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really funny, Tony. You're a funny guy. You're so cynical. Is that like a Cindy Lauper song? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, cin- a Cindy Lauper. No, you're so song. unusual, is, is the Cindy uh, Lauper song. Okay, I'll call it Cynical Lauper then. Okay. Mm. I think that's a great point. Um, the thing is, here's the, here's the thing. All the students at like my main, my main job, my, my full time job, they're coming to class with computers. Finally. Finally. It's 2022, man. <laughs> but by the way, I, there's something really weird. I was looking and like last year when I, you know, did do some face-to-face classes, I noticed that like 25 per 20, 25% of the students had Macs, Apple computers. Yeah. This year it's almost a hundred percent. And I said, why do you, all of you guys have windows computers? And they said, Oh, the school told us to buy windows computers. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Follow so, money. Who said that? Uh, <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? The, the, the cynicism is overwhelming today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is like, so what's new? <laughs> but they, it's exactly what you just said. They're now comfortable or familiar with or understand that the computer is a tool they're using. The problem is that there was this idea that tech would solve everything, which it didn't, but everybody was imposing tech, right? We uh, The idea of like having tablets in elementary schools or every student should have a tablet, which is, no, it's just a tool. It's like every student should have a pencil, right? Yeah. It's like, well, so what are you going to do with it? It's not, it's, not, exactly. it's not having it. It's what you're doing with it. Right. So there's that attitude that we see <sighs> where, okay, tech, we're just going to top down it and say tech is the answer and we're going to use it. But then once the students have the tech or they have the tools for the tech, I don't see a lot of guidance or suggestions or work on how to improve using it. Um, And that's weird. I think the idea, for example, that for a teacher who, let's say, like myself, has students in small groups doing presentations and the students get to do three or four presentations. The idea that each student records their presentation and then posts it. And so all the other students can see every student's presentation and make comments about that or listen. I think that's a great idea. That's a good use of the integrative technology. Um, the, The best thing for the technology, and this goes back to the differentiated learning and that wonderful TED talk by Malcolm Gladwell 
on spaghetti sauce and uh, uh, you know, cho- right. Remember where he says, "Yeah, there is no perfect what? Pepsi." Yeah, there's no there Pepsi. There's Pepsi. There's yeah. only perfect Pepsi's, right? Yep. At that, you know, um, is like here's what happens. So I tell my students, for example. Um, if they watch a video I've made or they watch a TED Talk, TED Talks are a great example. TED mm-hmm. Talks, by the way, you know, are – and YouTube, for example, YouTube now has the transcript function. So I say to students, watch the – my talk, the YouTube talk. If you can understand it in English, great. If you need to set the subtitles, English subtitles to help you understand, great. If you have to set it to auto-translate because you don't understand me, Great. If you want to use the transcript and review the transcript first and export the transcript, great. Or if you want to change the speed, that's fine. Fine with me. And there's the other things too, which is I say to them, okay, let's say you want to, you know, you say, okay, I I can understand Mr. Wiz pretty well, or I can understand the teacher really well. And you say, you know what? I want to work on my reading. I want to increase my reading speed. Well, guess what? YouTube now is perfect for that, or TED Talks are perfect for that. Turn the volume off, set the subtitles to English, and then double the speed. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly we have, I can... I have differentiated learning for the listening or the watching part. I can now give students speed reading exercises or adjust the reading. I can take a spoken activity and turn it into a reading activity. And it's all there. It's all free. Everybody knows how to do it. Exactly. Exactly, Tony. Exactly. The students are not shocked by it. It's not overwhelming to them. They're kind of like, oh, YouTube, Mr. With, YouTube can do that, right? They kind of are like, (laughs) is something wrong with you? (laughs) Don't you ever like, you know, what are you doing? Um, And so that is a big plus. So I've been able to um, take, for example – certain things. And now it makes it easier for me to create the reading activities with students. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So that's great. And the differentiated learning part, that's something I think that's an incredible argument for on-demand learning that people are just not accepting enough, at least in some of the places where I work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, you know, for certain classes, like a listening class, or let's say um, where you're learning learning skills, those classes might best be done as in a month. Let's say you have four classes. That seems to me like, you know, three weeks on demand, one week in person. My, you know, no, I'm, I don't know if anybody's doing that, right? Like, ah, this week I want to do on demand and we're going to follow it up with face to face, you know, the uh, kind of a variation of the flipped classroom. There's all these things we could be doing. Or some students, you say, hey, you want to take the class on demand? I don't know. But the thing is, I can't do that because I'm not given that freedom. Right. I have to I have to teach face-to-face or I have to ask for permission to be on demand. Um, and, you know, there's always that thing in Japan where you don't want to say, can I teach a hybrid class? Because <laughs> that's going to turn into a nightmare, I think, if I ask that. But I'm probably going to do that. I'm going to ask, look, I think that – some of the classes I'm teaching would be better served, you know, where you have an on-demand, where there's the lecture part, and then the students have two weeks, you know, to, 
you know, they, I assign the lecture on, you know, week one and they watch it. And then week two, they come in and they've had a lot of time to work over the stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I, I have to be, you know, I'll, I'll be the, I'll be that guy. It's like, yeah, when you have a, a plan, yeah, I'll be that guy. So you have, you have that kind of a plan and it makes, it makes total sense. Why does it have to be so hard? Oh, okay, I said it. Uh, continue. Okay. Also- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was a nice. Everyone, everyone was thinking it, so I just had to say it for everybody out there. Right. All right. Exactly. <laughs> the question is, and I wonder for the students, so from their side, like, do they? Again, I, there's so many questions I need to ask my students. Um, some of them will be able to answer them. Some of them won't. But you know, how do you feel? What do you want? Do you would you prefer a hybrid form? And I'm um, actually, I think. From I'm going to send a message out and ask to be able to teach my classes hybrid, which is I want to teach one week on demand or Zoom, and I want to teach one week um, face-to-face, and I want to see how students feel and if it confuses them or if they prefer an, you know face-to-face all the time, or do they prefer <clears> – excuse me <throat> – do they prefer the other way? You know, or does a hybrid meet their needs? The thing is that we have this opportunity to be doing a lot of what would be called action research in a way. Yeah. Yeah, Real, yeah for we sure. Have, this is a great opportunity to be doing things and finding things out. Yes. And like, you know, why doesn't the school say, hey, half of you are going to teach on online and half of you going to teach face to face. And we're going to watch to see wh- how that affects increases or how does that affect TOEFL scores? Or how does that affect student satisfaction? But instead of creating – and of course, they'll say, well, that's not fair to students. And to say, well, it's not really fair that teacher, students get different <laughs> teachers either. <laughs> so, you know, well, there you it's not go. fair that students get me as their teacher. That's unfair to them. So there's a whole <clears> – <throat> excuse me again. There's a whole lot of things going on there. But I want to go back to uh, things that I'm doing in the classroom given all these things we've I've been complaining about, which is like what's new about that. But I've noticed that for my face-to-face classes now, I'm repeating things much more, activities. So, for example, um, the use of open-ended questions, follow-up questions, echo questions, and expanded answers, I am drilling my students in that Mm. um, much more than I would have. So what would have been um, a real focus one week has now turned into a focus two weeks. Mm. And uh, I don't know if that's just me reacting to the students or me reacting to, again, that frustration of not having the fluency, the competency I used to feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I noticed that, ah, you know, I had my students in groups for much longer and I found myself saying, no, don't talk, just put them into groups again review it, have them review, make sure everybody knows groups again, groups again. And that might just be a reaction to me thinking I'm, I'm trying to increase the social sociability or the social um, affect of the classroom. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that, yeah, you know, I really did like two weeks for, you know, real open-ended questions, follow-up questions, echo questions, which, you know, I think are really important for communication, whereas before I would have focused on that for like one week. So mm-hmm. I don't find myself moving sequentially now as 
at the same pace as I did before. And the other thing, going back to the fluency thing, talking about myself again, and it's really, again, I want to emphasize that so much of this is that I, you know, I ask my students the questions, but I think I realize after talking with you today, I have to spend much more energy creating questionnaires for my students, little Google forms or whatever kinds of forms. And yeah. Cause that was one of the things I, want, I wanted to ask you is like, you know, how, how your preparation is, is different. How is, how has that changed? What are you doing differently? Cause I've got, it's gotta be very, very different. I would think. Uh, I don't know. What if I said it wasn't very different? Uh, well, you just said, you're right. <laughs> did I say that? <laughs> yeah. You just talked about how your questionnaires and stuff. Okay. Um, I've had some questionnaires uh, and I'm making more, I'm drafting a lot more, but I think I've noticed that. So for example, in um, one place I teach, uh, and this is where you taught before, the students are used to using a certain LMS. And as you pointed out, I'm not learning another LMS. Yeah. yeah. You there. Me, I'll drink to it's that. Easier, <laughs> it's no easier more. for me to make yeah. the web page. Yeah. And what I've done is I've noticed I've I looked at my old web page and I looked at differences. So I've always had like my web page with, you know, the week and it was divided into classwork and homework. And then there was a separate section, a separate, you know, page in the website for resources, you know, files, homework, links, etc. What I've noticed I've done now is I've changed it to week. There's a summary section. And then in the classwork section, I identify whether something is an activity, which means students are engaged with each other, whether something is a learning activity. Are they reading something or listening to something or listening or it's an explanation part, right? Then I have the homework and it explains the homework in details. And then the resources are within the week. So one of the big changes is in how I set up the website and trying to make it clearer, easier to navigate. Um, a lot more color coding, a lot more use of bold, um, a lot more visual indicators because um, that's a an online class, by the way, where I do Zoom. And by the way, that's a funny one that I was told that I would be teaching either on you know Zoom session, real time, um, online or on demand. And I, of course, want prefer to do the Zoom session. And then I realized that like almost all the students were going to the assigned classroom to do the zoom session, which is like, <laughs> what's the point of me not being there? So that's a tough one. Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a weird, I that's, have to email some. That's hard. I have to, I have to email some because I know they're not, you know, I, I turned to them. I said, okay, make sure you're socially distanced and you can see them looking at each other going, huh? What? <laughs> um, so there's more focus on, the websites, because they're also more used to using websites, they're used to using LMSs. Um, that's good. Um, I'm having to make more questionnaires. Um, there's more email messaging going on. I'm trying to make sure that I respond to emails much faster. And I've noticed the result of that is that the messages are shorter, but just saying, hey, heard you, got you, read what you said. Don't worry, et cetera, et cetera. Just a, just a clarification. Um, so you said there's more email. Is it more email this year, more than last year, and more than the year before? So far in the first few weeks, uh, there's been more email. 
Okay. Okay. Good. Just right. to sort of clarify. Yeah. And yeah. And of <clears throat> course, you know, the one problem with email is you have to teach students how to write email because they're just so used to <laughs> they're just so used to chatting, and it's like they, yeah, yeah, I yeah, did yeah. get I did get the email that says, "Please tell me what the homework is." And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, oh, here we go again. Um, so there's always that. But I don't want to start off, you know, teaching them about email because it's just too dry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, there's that. Um, I had virtual office hours last year, mm-hmm. but I just for the online classes when they were on demand, mm-hmm. and I continued mm-hmm. it online. I'll probably do that once a month rather than uh, every week, mm-hmm. and probably for my face to face classes, I'll offer like a office hour, excuse me, office hour where students can just drop in for questions, Mm -hmm. you know? So like my Monday, I have three of the same classes. Maybe what I'll do is that, um, you know, Wednesday night, seven to eight o'clock will be virtual office hours. See, that's a good example of an incredibly useful and wonderful use of zoom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Is I can have virtual office hours uh, you know, and I can meet with students. I don't have to wait. So, yeah, again, you know, when I go back to it, it's, you know, the first year was easiest. There's no question about it. The first year was easy when everybody got together and we were all, you know, that incredible, yeah, yeah, yeah. That incredible spontaneous uprising. Yeah, it was a great last year. It. it was a great God, last year. Wasn't that year. brilliant? Yeah. That was so brilliant. That was the most amazing thing to see. Spontaneous, you know, ground up organized by people and nobody, everybody was willing to do it. It was amazing to be part of that. And then last year was just so on, off, on, off. Are we online on or, you know, not it, it looked like, it looked like a, like a real, that was really, I can't difficult. say the word, but yeah, it looked like a real yeah. disaster. And for this year, for me, it's kind of this incredible, like, uh, Low-grade fever of foreboding. I guess these are the after times, I guess. This this is how it's going to be, right? right? It's like it's – we have to really kind of struggle in like a a neither here nor there world and not only in terms of like the the actual physical constraints in terms of, you know – Hygiene practices and, 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 and health concerns, et cetera, et cetera, but just in terms of pedagogy and um, classroom is like, and, you know, and uh, there's so many other things I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about, you know, your ideas about, um, and maybe we have to revisit this maybe at the end of the semester about how uh, this is going to change long-term um, education and pedagogy and things, um, sp- how it uh, specifically is going to affect students' educations. Um, you know, so these these, ki- these kids who are be graduating two years, three years from now, um, how, how, what is, how is their education be different from those kids who went before? Um, the universities themselves, um, in Japan or, or elsewhere, and those are very, very two different things. Yes. Um, <laughs> very, very different things. But, um, the universities here, since that's, you know, that's the focus of the podcast, how they will change or adapt and, uh, so forth. But, um, yeah, and also, you know, we, we didn't, haven't talked really about, um, from the student perspective, what's, <clears throat> has been or is and will be with the most difficult for the students. So like a lot of the kids that I, you know, my, my last kids, um, who are now doing their job hunting, 
or in their they're in their third year, their fourth year, and who's you know their university life has been so topsy turvy and upside down and inside out, um, and and maybe in some ways other things you know it's been easier for them. So there's some of them like you know um, you know forcing them to come to grips with the, the technology and things which otherwise they might have been able to circumvent, you know, if they have some kind of aversion to it, um, that might eventually help them in, in the, in the long term. Um, I think, I think all those things are, are, are worth exploring, but, um, yeah, it's, it's such an in between time. Um, and, as you, you know, you, you summed it up. It's like, you know, the first year was easy and it was like, boom, all or nothing. And it was crisis time. It was like it, very often like any kind of post-disaster, like after an earthquake, um, after a typhoon, uh, that everyone kind of bands together and, you know, everybody makes their best effort and everything kind of comes out okay. And then, and then like last year we had our year of chaos uh, no one knew really what to do. People, you know, universities made, you know, plans, <laughs> well-conceived or ill-conceived. However, it's like the first year they didn't have time to screw anything up. So we were all left on our own and we made the best of it. And, and things kind of came out okay um, last year, mixed results. And um, this year, you know, we're only like a month into it. And um, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But I think I think we should probably talk more about this. But I want to uh, give you know, anything else that you want to you know, say on, on this topic to kind of wrap it up. It's like, well, you know, what do you think? I mean, like, you talked about your feeling, your observations and stuff. Again, again, a big discussion about what's changed, what's different. Um, but um, last thoughts, Charles? <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yeah. Final well, meal. Well, well, hell, it is scary. <laughs> Damn yeah. right, it's scary. It's okay. scary, yeah. I think, you know, I'm two years away from retirement, forced retirement, right, the end of my teaching career. And when I talk about that lack of fluency, there's a good part to it. There's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Which yeah. is, you know, I'm like, whoa, I... Don't like, okay, so if I'm not fluent and I don't really know what I'm doing, I feel like I'm more on my toes. Fresh. I feel like I feel a little fresher. I feel yeah. like, ah, uh, you know what? I feel like I have that that beginner's rush. That was one of my notes. It was an autopilot. It's like, well, you know, yeah, that's a little more work and it's harder and it's like, you know, uncomfortable, but that's yeah. there's benefits there. You know, it's like right. I you, feel you're you're hitting things fresh and you can do things that you wouldn't have been able to do without without that mindset. Exactly. I'm experimenting more than I think I would have ordinarily. Uh, I'm uncomfortable. I mean, emotionally, I don't feel as good about my teaching as before. But on the other hand, I find myself searching for solutions to problems that I'm identifying, you know, as in what's the best way to deal with the reticent students. Um, for example, um, a big change is in group work that I have been thinking about. Um, and this is based on the benefits of online communication that students are used to working together online, getting together via Zoom to do their work. But one of the changes is to have students work on small group projects together and then submit 
individual final projects. And so, which is different from, you know, having medium sized or medium length group projects and then a final big group project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's a change that's new. Mm -hmm. And I actually owe owe a lot of that thinking to my daughter, Sophie, when we were talking, because she's, you know, actually, by the way, so Sophie's getting ready for her um, actual first practice teaching. Yeah. Did her first observation. Now she's actually doing some, I think, real practice teaching. And we were talking about group work and she was talking about being a college student and doing group work. And uh, the idea of, I think, small group projects. And also, um, this is not associated with the online on-demand thing, but the biggest change this year for me is that even though I'm having students work in groups, I'm grading individually. There's no longer any group grades. And that's a way to kind of deal with the problem of a good student being in a group that's not working so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 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 So I'm working on that. Yeah. I always did did that. Because, yeah, because, like, because small class and stuff, you can just, like – you can just look at the group and say, okay, this this one's not pulling her weight. <laughs> right. But that's something that mm. um, you can do in a classroom if you give students group time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But a lot of teachers will have the students, you know, just work outside of class and groups. Mm. But I could see that if I had time in the classroom for the students to do group work and I could see which groups were working, which ones aren't. So this time I thought, okay, you know what? many more small group projects, like 15-minute or even 30-minute group projects, right, where they have to create some kind of artifact within that 15 minutes to 30 minutes, and then they get graded. And it's not a major hit on their grade. It's not a substantial part of their grade. And they can work together so that the final project is done as a group project, but they submit individual work. And the group is to help them get through and assist. But again, I'm trying to figure out how do I differentiate, you know, the learning? How do I give more individualized instruction? How do we get students work in groups? I'm trying to figure that out. You know, same kind of the general previous questions, but the big difference, and I'm going to just wrap this up, Tony's, is that now that the students have some familiarity or comfort with the tech, I can start thinking about how to use tech the tech that I know that I'm that I think will work and ask the students to use it rather than feeling I have to start from getting them just familiar and comfortable using tech. Now it's like, okay, what tech do I have to teach them? What specific tool do I have do they have to learn instead of saying, oh, they have to get comfortable with a computer. So on that note, I think I can stop talking. Yay! But and the, the, but the <laughs> excitement again of like the excitement of teaching again, mm. you know, of not knowing. Of, yeah, the uncertainty, uh-oh. right? The being unsure, the right? Right. Kind of. That's, 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 I, you know, that's fun. I've been enjoying and it. And yeah, approaching the, the, the job and the task with fresh eyes and like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, the freshness, the newness. This is like, this is like new territory. And you got to like, you know, scan the horizon and all different senses are, you know, woken up again. And um, yeah, it, it can be. Exhilarating. Yeah. And there's that combination of saying, okay, I've got, you know. And you're out of your comfort zone. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I can say I've got 37 years of teaching experience. What does my teaching experience tell me how I can solve these problems? And then there's the other part of me that says, don't even bother. (laughs) Ignore that 37 years and look at it fresh. Just look at it, you know, as if like 
what would you do? And that kind of dialogue, that internal dialogue mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. Uh, use the experience and then the total blankness, the, you know, the like uh-huh. novice. Yeah. Is, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know if it's resulting in better teaching, but it really is resulting in some kind of like, you know, me walking, you know, from, you know, the train station to school. There's some really interesting conversations I'm having with myself. <laughs> yes. People are wondering, who's the crazy guy muttering to himself <laughs> as he's walking? Because I'll be like, okay, well, you know, I know that this works. And it's like, well, no, you don't know that that works. Just what if you were a new teacher, right? Yeah. So that's been good. And I've been enjoying that. So I would suggest that people embrace that if there aren't already. And it's also a great stress management tool for me. So I don't get frustrated at the schools as much. And I say, okay, well, you know, you've created this situation. It's not ideal. It's not, you know, I'd prefer more direction. I'd prefer more, you know, that you had asked people what they thought. And I think, okay, well, you know what? This is kind of fun. And that makes me happier and reduces stress. So, Okay. Well, two nice little nuggets there at the the very end. And uh, it's a good example of like, you know, it's easy to just sit and complain and, 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 Go on and on about all the hardships and, and negatives that are, that are all around us in all aspects of our lives, but um, it's important to be able to look at uh, those very definite positives. And um, yeah, it in it's not easy, and it's uh, a, no question an extremely challenging year. But it can be, you know, if 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 you are. You know, work hard at it, and if you're lucky, it can be like a, a really special year for for you and your kids. Um, mm. So, hey, man, Kamatena, good luck. All right. All right, Tony. Well, thanks for the good questions and making me think about things. Appreciate it. Great, 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 okay. great. Two teachers okay. talking everywhere. All right, okay, man. Tony. See you guys be next well. month. All right, well. you too. Bye bye.